I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth and final week of our series entitled Tough Questions. Today, I want to answer the question, why is it so hard to change? Why is it so hard to change? Perhaps you've looked in the Bible and you see these dramatic encounters that people have with God. I mean, they're just radically transformed, and yet you've been in the Lord maybe five or 10 or 15, maybe 20 or 30 years as a Christian. You've been walking with Jesus, and yet there's still these areas in your life. You feel like, man, I just, I take two steps forward, but then I take three steps backward. In other words, there's still areas in your life that are holding you back, and you ask yourself, and you're even asking in this series, Pastor Steve, why is it so hard to change? You know, we are finishing up our series, a four-week series, answering questions. And I want to encourage those of you uh, that have maybe missed the last few weeks, please go online, download one of the messages. I talked about overcoming depression. Why is Jesus the only way to God? Last week I talked about are we living in the end times? And today, why is it so hard to change? I believe with the grace of God and with some intentionality on our part, we can all experience change. Now, I didn't say it's easy, and I didn't say that, that there is this dramatic moment where every single one of you, you're going to have this dynamic experience where everything's different. Well, for some of you, when you gave your heart to Christ, it's like there was change that just broke off immediately. Now, all of us when we receive Christ, there is an internal change. But for some of us, including myself, it was three or four months where there was different things that were broken off of my life. But the truth is, the truth is there's still areas in my life where, where I still struggle. I just want to have somewhat of a confession here moment where I want to tell you that there's times in my life where I'm not happy of my responses. I'm not happy with some of my reactions. I, I am a type A personality. And you take any of the tests on the disc test, I'm a DI, which is a driver. And what's the truth is, is that when things touch me the wrong way sometimes, I tend to overreact. I overreact in my family, with my wife, with my kids, sometimes with the people that work with me. And I'm not proud of it. Matter of fact, I can't tell you the times when I've woken up early in the morning and gone before God and said, God, I'm asking you, Lord, to deal with this area in my life. Now, I want to say this, and I've said this statement for a long time. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And yet there's this area in my life, and I'm asking God. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, oh God, deal in my heart, Lord. Do in me what you want to do. So this area that I've struggled with for years, God, that I can grow. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe if you were honest, you would say, Pastor Steve, there's this area. Maybe it's two areas in your life where where you've struggled. Maybe it's not with reaction. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you've walked with Christ for a long time, but yet there's this thing in your life, this, this thing that's held you back. Maybe it's unforgiveness and bitterness. You love Christ. You know that you're a Christian, but yet you have a hard time forgiving when somebody hurts you. You allow it to go deep within your heart. Today, I want to talk to you about why is it so hard to change? Is there a reason why? When we look into the Bible, is there scriptural reasons? Are there other people that dealt with challenges related to change as well? Well, I want to suggest to you today that there are areas in our life that, 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 that are strongholds. See, I believe that the reasons why there are areas it's hard to change in is because the Bible talks about 
strongholds. Now, there are good strongholds, but there are negative strongholds. Let me give you another word that you may be familiar with. Biblically, they're called strongholds, but maybe, maybe this is more easy for you to understand. Mindsets. See, I want to suggest to you today that a negative mindset, when things happen in your life, that it goes through a grid structure and there's things that are unhealthy and toxic in our thinking. Toxic ways of seeing life. There are buttons that are pushing our life. There are ways in which that we relate to God, relate to one another, and relate even to ourselves. The Bible calls these areas of resistance strongholds. Now, let me say a couple things about strongholds. Again, for those of you that are new to Christianity, maybe you've never heard that term before. It's a biblical concept. We're going to get into it in just a moment. Paul talks about it in the book of Corinthians. But a stronghold can become part of our identity. See, a stronghold, well, it can become part of even how we see ourselves. If we're not careful, we can start to take on the personality of our stronghold, saying, well, it's just, this is who I am. This is always, I'm always, I'm always going to struggle with anger. I mean, my grandma did, my grandpa did, and, and after all, this is just who we are. This is who I am. This is who I am. Is it really? And yet the gospel offers us transformation, not just forgiveness, but in Christ, we can be transformed. The problem is a stronghold can become part of actually who we see ourselves to be. And the enemy wants to convince us, you'll never change. You'll always be like that. Your dad was like that. Your grandpa was like that. And you, yes, even you will be like that all the days of your life. You see, a stronghold can become part of our identity. The truth is that a stronghold can also cause us to feel increasingly hopeless. Maybe you're caught in a cycle, a cycle of fear, a cycle of anxiety, a cycle of an addiction, an addictive pattern that's destructive in your life. Maybe you go from one unhealthy relationship to another unhealthy relationship to another unhealthy relationship, and you can't wonder why. Why do I just, it seems like all of my relationships, I sabotage those relationships, and you start to have hopeless thinking. You start to think to yourself, it'll never, ever, ever change. Maybe you've said something like this. Listen, I just feel like giving up. Let me encourage you as your pastor, don't give up. Jesus Christ died on the cross not just to forgive you of your sin, but to break the chains and to help us to renew our minds, to help us break the strongholds and the chains. After I came to Christ, I battled with some things from my past. I battled with some shame from my past, and maybe that's a stronghold in your life, that, that you are what you used to be. Does that sound familiar with you? And boy, the enemy would just come and he'd lie to me. He'd try to whisper to me and say, oh, no, Steve, you're never going to be different. Matter of fact, oh, you can do the whole little Christian thing, but you're always going to be. And he'd fill in the blank. See, I, I lived a very messed up life before I came to Christ. And so he tried to define my present based upon my past. Maybe that's where you are. And there was a stronghold in my mind. And anytime I saw an image or anytime I saw anything that, or even a smell that related to my past, uh, the enemy would come and say, you're going back to that, Steve. You're not, listen, you're really not any different. See, that was a stronghold in my mind. Well, I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just to forgive you of your sins, my friend, 
But he died on the cross to break the chains off your life. He died on the cross to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to come to live on the inside of you, to help you, to help you to change. I do not believe, I do not believe that you and I are determined by our past. We may be influenced by our past, but we're not determined. We're determined by the power of the gospel. We can become a new man. You can become a new woman. You can become a new person in God. And yes, you can change. Perhaps sitting here today, the frustration has been rising in your heart, even when you knew that I was going to teach on this. Because you thought to yourself, Pastor Steve, I've been a Christian not just a year. You know, it's interesting. People tell stories about, man, I was a, before I became a Christian, you know, and I was this and that, but then I became a Christian. Everything changed. Well, it took me about a year. Now, some of you guys, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. And the hopelessness is attached to the fact that you've been walking with Jesus for 15, 20, or maybe even 30 years. And you know what's interesting? Paul the Apostle. I love teaching uh, about the Paul the Apostle's life because he was so transparent. He was so honest. He was so transparent. Listen, about his victories in Christ, but also his defeats in his humanity. And Paul the Apostle talked about his struggle. Paul was not Jesus. Remember this. Jesus was the only perfect human that ever lived. Paul the Apostle grappled with the realities of the struggles of the everyday life of human beings. And so he said this in Romans chapter 7. Here's what Paul said. He says, listen, have you ever said this before? Here's what Paul said. I don't really understand myself. I know I've said that before. Man, God, I, I don't know what's going on. Lord, what is, what is going on in my life? Paul says, I really don't understand myself. For, for I want to do what is right. Of course we do. Of course we do. We have a conscience. We, we, we want to do what's right. We don't want to be hooked in destructive patterns. We don't want to live in bitterness. We don't want to allow fear to dominate us and to back us off from what God's called us to do. Lord, God, I, you ever done that before? Like, man, God, why? See, I, I really don't understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Instead, I do what I hate. I go to church, Pastor Steve. I feel the presence of God. I love the worship. I love the teaching. I'm, I'm really believing, Pastor, for my temper. I'm really believing for my temper to improve. Then I pull out of church, and somebody cuts in front of me with their, well, with their car, you know, and, 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 and I say something, Pastor. I mean, they don't hear it, but I, say, I think it, and it comes out of my mouth, and my spouse hears it, and, and then, well, then they look at me, and and they even say, well, I thought, you, I thought you were a Christian. The thing that I really want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Have you ever been there before? Maybe that's where you are right now. I know that I've been there myself. Well, half the battle in changing, half the battle in growing in Christ, half the battle in walking with Jesus in what's called, here's a, here's, a, here's a big theological term, sanctification, where we grow in Christ's likeness. Now, you don't become Jesus, but you grow in the fruits of Jesus, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Part of the battle of us changing is God cannot help us in the areas that we don't admit that we have a problem in. I wrote this down as I was putting this together this week. I want you to write this statement down. All those that are joining us 
all of our campuses, those that are joining us online, TV, everywhere. I want all of you that are joining us right now, wherever you are watching, write this down. This is so important. God won't fix what you won't admit. Let me say it again. God won't fix what you won't admit. I I've got to admit, I struggle at times with overreaction. I struggle at times with anger. I struggle at times. I've got to own that. If I don't own it, then God can't help me in it. What is the area that God's putting his finger on in your life right now? Maybe you came to this message today because you knew the title. Why is it so hard to change? And that's where you are. You're struggling with the reality of changing. You love Jesus, you know you'd die, if you die, you'd go to heaven, but yet you're struggling in an area. Let me just say this with you. Number one, God can't help you in an area that you're unwilling to admit that there's a problem. It's interesting, when I was putting this together, I began to think about the concept biblically of stronghold, but then I began to think about more of a secular term that we're all conversant with, and that's a belief system. You see, you can have a positive stronghold and a negative stronghold. You can have a positive, healthy belief system, but you can have a negative belief system. What, what is a belief system? A belief system at its core is how you think about yourself in light of your circumstances, situations, and relationships. Again, we can have a healthy mindset or an unhealthy mindset. We can have a healthy belief system or an unhealthy belief system. We can have a positive stronghold or we can have a negative stronghold. Well, where does that word stronghold come from? The Apostle Paul calls those negative belief systems strongholds in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. There's that word. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every, here it is, every, say it with me, every thought. So a stronghold is connected to thinking. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen to the message paraphrase. I, I, I love this paraphrase of the scripture. It's so powerful. And I believe it gives us an insight into what Paul's talking about. He says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. We all believe at times unhealthy things, warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting, uh, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by God. Paul equates the belief system here, the mindsets that are formed in our minds in 2 Corinthians 10 with these large, rigid, powerful castles, fortresses, or strongholds. Hence, he also calls this process tearing down these strongholds. He, talks, he calls it a warfare. And I want to say this to all of you. It's not easy to change. Again, when you come to Christ, you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. 
But yet in our personality, in our thought patterns, in our emotional responses, in our volitional capacities, we've got these hooks. And I'm going to explain in just a moment why they are there and how we can move through them. But Paul calls this a warfare. In other words, it's not easy to change in certain areas of our lives. There are certain things that need to be broken off our lives. And by the way, I want to say this. I do, I do believe as well there are certain generational things that need to be broken off of our lives. You've got a young kid. He's at a Christmas party. He hears from an uncle that all the, quote, he names the family are like this. And then it transfers sociologically, psychologically, but even a spiritual, even a spiritual transmission. It's not easy to change. It's a warfare. But you've been equipped in God to break things off of your life in the gospel, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to, to be helped by the power of God. You can be a new man in God. I can be a new man. You can be a new woman in God, not just forgiven, but transformed. But we've got to understand that our thoughts, they have massive power. And everything begins with a thought. That's why the writer in Proverbs 23, 7, he says, For as a person thinks in their heart... So are they. For as a man thinks in her heart, so is he. For as a woman thinks, as she meditates, what you think about is what you feel about. What you feel is what you ultimately will decide. We can see both biblically and scientifically now better than ever that our thoughts have power. There is such breakthrough neurologically in science. And I want to say this. Neurological science and psychology and all of these different fields, there's been such breakthrough neurologically in evaluating how thoughts work and how they come together. What are thoughts? Thoughts are electrical impulses and chemicals and neurons moving together. And, and they, they take up space in your brain. And, and what, you, what you think about determines what you feel about. And what you think about and what you feel, it'll ultimately determine the decisions that you make. And scientists can study this today. It's a fascinating study. Matter of fact, I, I want to encourage you to turn your eyes wherever you are in whatever venue you are in. I, I want you to see this because this is, uh, this is a, a schematic representation of, remember what our thoughts are. They're a blend of electrical impulses in our mind, chemicals, and neurons. You say, Pastor, is this a science class? No, this is a, this is a message from the Bible. But isn't it interesting that we are discovering today in science what the Bible said years ago? Paul called them strongholds. And neuroscientists now can show us what is that. When you have a dominant thought right here, it's interesting. A dominant thought creates secondary thoughts. Now watch what happens here. And then it creates secondary and third level thinking. And then you have another dominant thought. And it almost creates a forest where trees, you ever, it's interesting, those of you that maybe in your backyard or different places, of course, you see how, you'll see even how trees will start to grow together with the limbs and very similar in our brain. This is, it takes up real estate in your brain, dominant thoughts, a thought of rejection, a thought of fear. Our family's always been fearful. We've never stepped out. And now it starts creating real estate in your brain. And, and, and we, we don't like people. You have to be careful of people because people are, see, that's, it begins to create a negative, toxic stronghold. But conversely, our family is entrepreneurial. We step out. We try things. 
We're courageous. We, we, we love risk. We thrive on risk. And we, we, all of us, see, we step out. We are, quote, Robinsons. Whatever it is, your family. And you begin to speak that and your kids begin to believe that. It's interesting what happens in our minds. What are our thoughts? They're electrical impulses and chemicals and neurons working together. I wrote this down. As we move through life, our thoughts assimilate and they form belief systems. So in this illustration, we're looking at how a forest of these little trees, the brain, the longer they live, the thicker and bigger the forests become. These forests are our belief systems. This is a belief system. I'm not worthy. That's a belief system. That's a lie but it's a belief system. Now, how do belief systems work? And I'm going to just say this. Here's the good news that in the gospel, we can renew our minds. You can change. There is transformation possibility in Christ for every single one of you. Christianity is not just about forgiveness. It's about transformation. So here's how it works. So we have belief systems. Scientifically, they can prove it by evaluating brain waves and structures Paul called them strongholds. A stronghold is a belief system. Again, you can have negative strongholds or positive strongholds. But let's think about how belief systems work just for a moment. I have another chart. I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and pull that up. And this will really, really help you. So this is us down here. We're here. We have a belief system. You have a circumstance, a relationship, or a situation. Remember, your belief system and my belief system is how we see ourselves in light of our circumstances, relationships, and situations. So we're going through life, we're hanging out, and, a, and we encounter a circumstance. Watch this. Your belief system is a grid structure. So it's your interpretive grid. You and I interpret life, watch this, through our belief system that's been formed over years proven neurologically. Now, the good news is you and I can change our belief systems. It's a warfare in God, but we can change them. We can change them. That's the good news. And by the way, neuroscientists are proving that we can change them. It's called neuroplasticity. You can change and create new belief systems. So you've got a belief system. You have a circumstance. So how you view relationships, people are bad, don't trust people. You get That's a belief system. Here's, an, here's a healthy belief system. People intrinsically want to help me. People intrinsically, they, they, they are doing their best in life. That is a belief system. Does this make sense? See, a situation arises, a circumstance. It goes through your belief system, which then creates more thoughts, which then creates feelings and emotions, which now you have a choice. When all of your thoughts and your emotions, when you start feeling what you're thinking, you now have a choice. And here's the choice. I'm going to act on it. So the question is, and here's the problem. The problem is, is if you just deal with behavior, but you don't deal with belief system, you end up having the same behavior. That's the challenge that we have in the penal system. That's what we have the challenge in, 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 in jails and prisons. And, 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 and again, the, the modification of behavior, I understand we have to cope and interdependently relate to culture and society, but we've got to go for the belief system. Why is the behavior the behavior that it is? It's not just the behavior. It's the belief system. And a lot of us, we're struggling in areas of our lives and we're trying to, we're trying to manage our sin 
We're trying to manage our negative behavior. We're trying to manage our negative coping strategies, but we're not dealing with the belief system. Where did you pick up that belief system? It's how you see yourself. It's how you see life. It's how you see yourself in light of your future. It's how you see yourself in light of loss, in light of opportunities. It's a belief system. We, we do address behavior, but your behavior, my friend, listen to me, sir, your behavior will never change until you address your belief system, the stronghold that has you gripped. Yeah. I had to realize in my life the reason why I overreact the reason why I can get angry and overreact is because I had a stronghold of fear in my life. You see, anger is a result of fear. And, and because, I, because I, I feared in situations, when situations were right, I feared a sense of loss. I, I feared a sense of rejection. I feared a sense of... So what happened was my behavior of anger was, listen, was not the problem. The problem was I had a belief system of fear that was creating the anger. Paul says that we've got to learn to cast down negative thinking. We've got to learn to cast down thoughts. So those of you that are on social media, those of you that are on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, now watch, watch how this belief system works, all right? So you're going through Facebook, you're going through Instagram, and you're scrolling through, and, and you see somebody that's, that's skinny, all right? You see somebody that's skinny. And so now it goes through your belief system, all right? And you go, oh my gosh, you know, well, I tell you what, I can never be like that. I can never, I could just never experience anything of health. I can never, or it could be just the opposite. You could be judgmental towards them and say, well, let me tell you something. They starve themselves. They don't eat and there's something wrong with that. Well, time out. Why is it so aggressive over here? What is in your belief system that is causing such a reaction? Again, back to my situation. Why was I, why do I get angry at times? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm fearful at times. I'm not confessing that. I'm just saying there's times in my life where because of fear had controlled me for so long and things, I didn't realize that my, well, my anger is attached to a fearful belief system. Pastor Steve, where'd you pick it up? You can pick it up from your family. You can pick it up from culture. You can pick it up from growing up as kids. You can pick it up from maybe a coach that was dominant in your life. And, and there's thoughts that are suggested. And, and, and this belief system begins to shape your life. Wow. So today, I want to give you, a, I want to give you something I want to give you a little bit of a fresh perspective. I want everybody to stay with me. I want to give you a fresh perspective of how we can look at our emotions as indicators in the renewing of the mind process that will set us up to change. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to address this a little bit differently. Oftentimes, when I talk about renewing the mind and transformation, I'll start with thoughts, then I'll go to emotions, then I'll go to actions. I want to start with your emotions because, listen, I want everybody to hear me. Emotions are wonderful indicators of what your belief system is. Emotions are very bad dictators when you serve them, but they're good indicators, all right? What we're, what we're trying to address, I'm answering the question, why is it so hard to change? Well, we've got we've to realize that we've got a belief system. Paul calls it a stronghold that is controlling how we think, how we feel, and ultimately our actions. You guys have been attacking your actions so long. 
And there's nothing wrong with trying to modify behavior, but you'll never change till you address the stronghold. So I'm going to give you four things. Number one, very quickly, how do we change? We first have to acknowledge our emotions. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to address a mindset, not by dealing with thoughts first, but by dealing with your emotions. We've got to acknowledge our emotions. Emotions are good. They're not bad. God feels. Jesus feels. We see in John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. We see Jesus experiencing intense emotions in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was also the consummate picture of a joyful man. He was. He experienced all the range of emotions. Jesus did. And here's the reality. Perhaps you've heard, oh, well, you know, as you're a Christian, emotions are bad. No, you're made. Listen to me. This is important. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you with emotions. Now, we should not be dictated by our emotions, but God gave them to us. Sadness, joy, grief, anger, surprise, fear, even disgust. There are emotions that we feel. The key is to find the balance between using your emotions as an indicator instead of a dictator. An indicator points to the fact that something may not be healthy in your belief system. Can you pull my chart up just for a moment? Remember this, your belief, inside this belief system, it's filled with emotions, it's filled with thoughts, it's your grid of how you, how you interpret circumstances and relationships and situations. You grow up with a rejection mentality. You've got a belief system. Everybody's going to take advantage of me. So a new friend comes into your life, and all of a sudden your belief system, protect yourself. Why? Because all people take advantage of me. Really? Well, that's a belief system. So what happens is we want to first, I'm talking about how we address the areas that are so hard to change. We don't start with behavior. We're going to start with what are we feeling, and then it's identifying, ah, it's what we're believing. As a pastor, I've seen people that have tried to stuff their emotions. I'm not going to feel. No, no. We're going to acknowledge our feelings. We're going to acknowledge our emotions. Listen, because they're an indicator of what we're believing. Remember this. Remember, emotions are not neutral. They're flowing out of something that you have believed. I can prove it to you. If you go to a movie, you can watch a movie that's totally fictitious, totally made up, not real. It's not, it's not a biography. It's not an autobiography. It's not, it's not anything of a historical. Uh, uh, it's not, it, it is totally false. But if you watch it and it goes in your cognitive brain and you're thinking about it, you can feel feelings attached to thoughts and it may not even be true. The whole thing's made up. Why? Because your emotions are connected to your thinking. So number one, pastor, I want to change. How do I change? Let's acknowledge. What do we want to acknowledge? I want to acknowledge what are my emotions? What are coming? Number two, I want to be attentive to my emotions. Emotions are indicators. The first step to recognize you have emotions. Number two, you've got to then be attentive to your emotions. Okay, why am I feeling this? What am I feeling? It's amazing just to think about what you're thinking about and to acknowledge and to be attentive to what you're feeling. It's amazing what goes through our minds. It's amazing what runs through our emotions. With practice, we can learn how to accurately discern what we're feeling. When people live according to their feelings, they make mistakes. Again, I'm not suggesting we live according to our feelings. I'm suggesting that we recognize our feelings. Feelings are not truth, necessarily. 
Feelings can undermine truth. Feelings can, can lie to us, but we are feeling them for a reason, and we need to be aware of our feelings. Why am I always feeling angry? What am I thinking about that's causing these feelings? Hey, by the way, people that work well with people, I mean, when you see somebody, I'm not necessarily calling them a leader, but, but, but somebody that really knows how to work with people, when you really get conversant in this, you not only become aware of how you are feeling and your emotions, but you can become aware of those on your team, those around you, your children, your spouse, your friends, your family, your extended family, and you can begin to identify belief systems based upon those emotions that you're feeling. Oh, okay, Steve. Let's go back to Steve. Okay, so why is it that I've got these feelings of anger that arise in me? Why? Why? Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. I can feel it. And you know you can feel that when those things are rising up on the end. You can feel, you can just feel it. All right. Number one, I've got to acknowledge I've been created in the image of God, and God feels, and so do I. We don't stuff it, we acknowledge it. Number two, we've got to be attentive to it. Okay, okay, I'm talking about changing, but I'm addressing it from a different angle. Number one, I acknowledge number two. I realize, okay, so, so I'm feeling these feelings. Pastor Steve, what do I do with these feelings? By the way, I want to recommend a book. There's a study 20 years ago. It really came out, Emotional Intelligence. And a person that is emotionally intelligent, they're aware of not only how they feel, but also the feelings and the emotions of those that are on their team. Number three, I've got to learn to address the painful emotions. Be willing to address those Emotions. Don't shrink back. We're now moving into how to change. Why is it, if you can pull my chart back up, why is it that it's so hard to change, Pastor? Well, because we spend an enormous time on our behavior and we don't realize that our behavior is connected to our belief system. But I'm a Christian, Pastor Steve. I know I'm going to heaven. Isn't your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? I've confessed Christ as my Savior and yet... Pastor, I do what I don't want to do. That's what Paul said. And there's times I don't do what I, what I want to do. It's your belief system. You have a stronghold. You've got to acknowledge what's going on first in your feelings. Oh, I'm feeling this, this anger on the inside. I've got to be attentive to when that happens. Why, 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 why am I dealing with that? Why, why does that keep coming up? Why does that keep coming up? <sighs> the reality is, is that, Steve, there's, well, there's, there's a belief system that you have that's, there's a lot of fear in your belief system. Steve, when did you pick that up? I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's when I, maybe as a kid, Maybe it's because of some things that I went through in my family. I, I don't know, but somewhere in there in my belief system, maybe it's part my personality and part my upbringing and part things that took place. And, 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 and I, I don't know, but my belief system, it was producing something of an action I wasn't proud of. Pastor, how do I change it? We've got to be willing to address our painful emotions. We've got to be willing. I'll never forget... Um, in 2010, you guys know when I went through my, my burnout, 
I went through that. If you can leave this up, I, I had to start addressing. I had to start addressing my belief system. And my belief system, I had so many lies I had believed. If I, if I don't do this, this whole church is it's just it's resting on me and my leadership. Oh, man, you want a quick way to burn out? Ma'am, you want to quickly burn out? Business people, listen to me. Think that your whole business is relying upon you. I think that you're everything rely. Oh man, I'm tell you, last time I checked, the Lord says, listen, that he is our maker. He is our provider. He's the one that lifts us up. He's the one that has the whole world in his hands. We've got to be willing to address our painful emotions. I finally admitted that I, in 2010, you guys know when I finally sat down with that counselor and I said, you know what? I realized I began to get the fear out. And it was painful for me to address that. It was painful for me to finally get it out. But what I was doing, I was, I, was, I, was, I was doing what Paul said to do. I was allowing the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to deconstruct wrong thinking. It's a stronghold. I had a stronghold in my mind. And it was controlling me. And it was controlling, well, it was controlling what I thought. And it was controlling what I felt, and it was controlling the choices that I made. Yeah. You've got to be willing to expose the lies. When you get in the Word of God, I, I had to be willing. Maybe I'll give you a negative belief system. Maybe you grew up in a home, and maybe your dad wasn't there. Maybe he wasn't kind to you. Maybe he always just put you down and belittled you. And you now have a belief system, watch this, towards your relationship with God. And in your belief system, you feel like you can't trust God and that God is distant. And it doesn't matter what you go through. He's really not there. You've developed a belief system based upon your earthly father and the distance of him. And you've transferred that on God. You have a stronghold. Yeah. And it causes you to think thoughts that God is distant. And it causes you to feel feelings of Fear and anxiety that God won't help you. And it causes you to make choices and take actions to, to, to protect yourself and to, and, and to run from God when you mess up. Instead of running to God, you run from God. Why? Because, because if God really knows who I am and if he really figures out who I am, God is, well, he's either going to be mad at me, he's going to put me down, or he's distant. Just like my earthly dad was. See, that's a got to deal with that. The reason why it's so hard to change sometimes is because we're trying to change the wrong thing. We're trying to change our behavior and we're not addressing our mental and emotional strongholds. Yeah. So let me give you the last point. We'll close. I think the Holy Spirit's talking to some people right now. Some of you guys are getting this right now. This is when you start to see this, you, you, you start to see that how this works. Number four, we've got to adjust unhealthy belief systems. We've got, we got to adjust them. Those unhealthy belief systems that have been controlling us. You can experience supernatural change, my friend. You can change your behavior. You can change your reactions with God's help. You can change living in the fear that you've lived in, the shame from your past. You can change it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. We can be transformed. Christians are not just forgiven. We can be transformed by the power of God. Shame can get broken off your life. Fear can get broken off your life. Listen, hopelessness can be dealt with in your life. Rejection. Fear of the future. The fear living tormented by that. Paralyzed by that. We are transformed in our belief systems. If you could pull the chart up one more time. We are transformed. This is by, Paul says, we can be transformed. Everybody say it. We can be what? Say it. We can be transformed. As we renew our belief systems, as we tear down unhealthy thinking, as we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, the more that we think right, the more that we will feel right, the more that we will choose healthy choices, and our behavior will change. Our behavior will change. Our behavior will change. That addiction in your life, that behavior, that addiction, well, that, you're just using something to cope with the stress and the pain of your life. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your present. So you've allowed something that's unhealthy and toxic to, to be a medicating substance to you, to, to address something. But you got to go back. we got to go back. Why, where did that begin? And we got to deconstruct it with the Word of God, with the truth of God and the Holy Spirit. We've got to renew our mind that God is a good God, that God loves us, that God cares about us. Let me go back to those of you, and I'll close with this. Maybe you feel like God is distant from you. you got to renew your mind with the truth of God's Word. The book of Psalms says this. I love this scripture. It's so powerful. It says, the Lord is merciful. Why don't you bathe your mind with scriptures that the Lord is merciful? He's not absent from you. I'm so sorry that, you're, that your dad was absent. My dad left us, my, my blood father, when we were little. My mom had my brother and I, and then, my, of course, I had a wonderful stepdad. But, but you have to renew your mind. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger. He's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. God loves you. God cares about you. And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God. That's why we tell you at this church, get into the Word of God. Get into relationships with others. Let the Holy Spirit put on worship music. What are you doing? Go back to my chart if you could. You know what you're doing? You're allowing the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to create a new, healthy belief system so that you see the world differently, so that you see situations differently, so that you see yourself differently, called of God marked of God, chosen of God. I can honestly say this. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm growing in God. Why? I'm allowing the Word of God. So I'll close with this. Allow the Holy Spirit of God. Allow the Word of God. Allow relationship. You ever heard of the mirror principle? Allow the body of Christ. Please stay connected. Please stay connected, whether in physical small groups or on Zoom small groups. Please stay connected. We need the body of Christ to do what? To help us deconstruct some of those unhealthy neurological patterns that believe lies. Where Satan has injected a thought that is unhealthy to belittle you, to demean you, to tear you down. God wants to, God wants to set you free. It's going to take, it's going to take some work on our part. It's a warfare, Paul called it we can do it with the grace of God. Friend, you can change by the power of God. You can change by the power of Jesus Christ. You can change with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can change with the truth of God's Word. You can change with the help and the surrounding of the wonderful body of Christ. 
but it begins with a commitment to Christ. And I'm just going to ask with everybody, all those that are joining us all over the campuses, everybody that's joining us, whether it's on TV, you're joining us on one of our physical campuses, online, would you bow your head right now? I'm going to pray for you. I believe today is the day of the beginning of change for you. The Spirit of God comes into your life and you say yes to Jesus. If you do not know Christ, I'm going to pray for you right now. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you'll confess the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you shall be saved. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Would you respond by just raising your hand right now? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. If that's you, come on. Put your hand up high so we can see it. Come on. All of our campus pastors, just put your hand up high so we can see it. Yes. Can we pray together right now? Come on. All of us at all of our campuses, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life. A new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. What an incredible message on how to embrace the change that God has for us. I pray that you can take what you heard this week, take it to heart, and begin to put it into practice so you can grow. That's right, and one of the best ways really to keep growing is to get connected. And really probably the best way to get connected here at Church of the King, kind of that, that first step, is going through Next Steps, which are classes designed to help you connect, grow, and really discover your purpose. So we hope to see you there online. All you have to do is go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps for times and a register, or you can text the words connect to 822-822, and I hope that we can see you there. Thank you again for your continuous generosity here at Church of the King. You know you can give online through the Church of the King app or by mail or by text. Thank you so much. Well, have a great week, and we hope to see you either at Next Steps or next week at church.